play us in. Play us in. Oh, with what? I don't, I don't really know. know. I know. This is, we're, we're going this. Mama, take this badge off of me I can't use it anymore It's getting dark, too dark to sleep I feel I'm knocking on heaven's door Yeah Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door Yeah Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door Mama, take this bath off of me I can't use it anymore My prostate's too big too big to pee I feel I'm pissing on Satan's floor Piss, piss, pissing on Satan's floor Make miss pissing on Satan's floor Oh Mick, Mick, to rating on Satan's floor Piss, pissing on Satan's floor Take this But platinum out my hand I can't use it anymore I'm too drunk Too drunk to see That I'm passed out on Satan's door Piss, piss, pissing on Satan's floor Vitamin A, bitches Piss, piss, pissing on Satan's floor Come on, everybody, now Piss, piss, pissing on Satan's floor I had asparagus Piss, piss, pissing on Satan's floor Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Far Out Podcast. I was sitting here with Oscar, and I was like, yo, Oscar, we're hanging out in the garage. Like, we got the guitar around, just like play one of the hits. Like, play one of the old songs from the band and everything. And so then he just starts out this chord progression, and I'm like, I think that's Knocking on Heaven's Door by Bob Dylan. Yes. So, so it's the rule in comedy, right? You just roll with it. Uh, so Buck's going to be here on the next show. Uh, Buck ran into some issues. He had some issues uh, getting to the recording thing. And we have so much time to get so many shows down. So he's like, hey, hey, dude, I'm going to be a little bit late. So just sit, knock something tight out. You got Oscar here. Oscar's done a billion shows. Everybody loves Oscar. We're just going to make it happen without Buck. And then Buck will be on the uh, shows coming out. But oh, yeah. This is all done with Buck's blessing, by the way. We don't want to piss anybody off. Yeah, no, because we have our dedicated times to do the show. And then what's happened is of recent... 
the times have gotten pushed back farther and farther because of Buck's job. So so then it's become more difficult for us to work everything out. But uh, Buck's schedule is going to change in like a couple of weeks. So we'll be back to normal. So uh, here's how it goes. But we're not going to apologize for the, tonight's show because, no. uh, you know. But everybody loves Oscar. Oscar's done a billion shows. Uh, how, how does it feel holding up the uh, end of Mr. Buck Perez tonight? Man, it's hard being number two. I'm used to being number four. Mm. You're going to talk about, you're going to talk about the, the Costello? And we went to the Hollywood Bowl to go see Elvis Costello sing with the LA Philharmonic at the Hollywood right. Bowl. Right, right, right. Sounds like it sounds like a good night, right? Yeah, man. So I call up Oscar last minute. Hey, I got an extra ticket. Let's go see the great, like one of my favorite artists of all time, Elvis Costello. And what what happens is we get to the the show and we sit down and Ben Folds is opening for him. Right. But instead of going to go see Ben Folds, Oscar no. and I pull an Oscar and Todd move, and we just sit and drink We'd- and talk. And drink shit-ass wine. Like the worst possible wine. Well, we needed twist-offs because at the Hollywood Bowl, you could bring wine in, but they didn't, like, I, I didn't, I couldn't acquire a bottle opener right. before the show, and obviously neither could Oscar, no. so we showed up with twist-off 7-Eleven wine, right. which ended up being the worst way to do the night. Right. But before the show started, everybody's walking up into the bowl. So we sat down and we actually blew through an entire bottle of 7-Eleven wine before we got into the show. Right. Flip-flop, if anyone's looking for it. Right. So we, we, uh, we kill a bottle of flip-flop. And then the funny thing with Oscar and I, because we, you know, we live together for many years, whenever we see each other, we just sit down, we start gabbing. And we realize we, we're, we've missed the entire Ben Folds set. Right. And even I like Ben Folds. Right. I mean, the last time that we went to a show where... It was that inexpensive to go, yeah. and because the issue is that because it's so inexpensive, we feel it's not ne- even that necessary to go. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, it's just, it's just time to chill. Oh yeah, we're just gonna hang out. I think it was actually sadly the who. So we missed all of Ben Folds, and then we we, we eventually we walk in with our wine because you can do that on certain events at the Hollywood Bowl, right? And we sit down. Elvis Costello comes out. It's just him and the entire LA Philharmonic. Right. It sounds good. Yeah. Gonna be a good night. Sit down, and he starts, he opens with Accidents Will Happen, one of my favorite Elvis Costello tunes. And he starts with it, and then I'm kind of when he hits the hook. Accidents will happen. And I'm singing, and then uh, at a certain point, I turn to Oscar and I go, you know, the song's in the movie E.T. And the guy in front of us turns around. Excuse me, guys. Can you guys keep it down? We're trying to watch the show. Right. The whole place was completely... Everybody there's ears were so fucking... Uh, what's, what, 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 what's the term? So precious. Oh. Everybody was having such a precious experience right. that the fact that I'm looking... I'm watching a punk icon, by the way. Right. Like, I'm a guy who was uh, one of the best of the kind of nineteen late 1970s punk... He was like the punk era Bob Dylan, right. basically. And... To think at his early shows that people would be that pretentious about listening to his music probably would make him sick right. and want to vomit. Yep. And so then I immediately just like almost just started completely laughing because part of me, <laughs> I actually like, I've only had a couple moments in my life where I've actually wanted to get violent right. at, in my life. My entire life has been three times in the last six months at concerts. 
And this, but this guy was with his kid, so he had his little like a uh, three-year-old, and he had his three-year-old, and he had the three-year-old on the lap, like appreciate Elvis Costello in the L.A. Philharmonic. That kid wants to see fucking Barney, right? He's like, he slept through most of the show. He slept through most of the show. The kid, he gave the kid actually the entire bench in front of him and sat next to us and then sat next to us after chastising us and the whole time I waited for him to get up I waited for him to sing along it's like he knew better they're playing Alice and this motherfucker's gonna sing and then I'm gonna be able to like read him the riot act right but yeah it wound up kind of not ruining the night because I still liked it Elvis Costello's voice was incredible the whole show right but it was like it was almost like it was it was I, I hate People sitting around smelling their own farts and thinking it smells like roses, and you get that a lot in LA. Oh my god, I never want to go back to that place again. It's yeah. like it's the last two times I've been. It's just been horrible. Yeah, we've had bad times the last two times. So, all right, so then I started thinking about this later when I was like driving home, and I started thinking that maybe this show was more of a Philharmonic show than a Elvis Costello show. Yes. So then I started thinking like, how would I act at the Disney concert hall? I would probably be well behaved. Well, yeah, right. Yeah. I would be dead silent but, and boring. But I'd be sitting there watching Dvorak or something like that, right? Some Czechoslovakian obscure composer, not a guy who's who has a songbook of great material, right? But now, and it's known to play rock. But you know, it's not like they played Pump It Up either. Right. You know, now, like, now assume that the LA Philharmonic <laughs> at the Disney Concert Hall starts playing Wagner. Would you stand up and start like you know cheering your arms and like you know doing the whole like beginning of uh, that that scene in Apocalypse Now? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Would you do? Would you be doing the whole bit, or would you just be sitting? Oh yeah, yeah. No, I think I would get up. You'd and I probably would, get up. Well, because I'd be drunk. Right. Well, the bad thing was, my wife and I we went to go see, uh, and this might give people might give me shit for this, but mm. if you do, fuck you. Shame I went, on you. Sh- shame on you. I went to go see a Queen right. with Adam Lambert. And it was like, I, okay, I'm not going to get excited about Adam Lambert at any time in my life. But hey, don't see, dumb it down, man. You loved it. Well, I'll tell you, I did. I I, I really loved the show, actually, and I I because I love Queen. And did Adam you love Lam- it because you went in with low expectations. Yes. Of Adam's Lam- oh, okay. Yeah. Got it. And then Adam Lambert actually had this insane voice and was he had all the you know kind of pompous Freddie Mercury airs and it was fun. Right. I make I'm making too many excuses for enjoying myself. Yeah, you really are. Like you should just be like it was the shit. But I was very drunk. But I'm totally anti that show by the way. Mm, mm. Like Adam Lambert should never be able to sing a Queen song no matter how good he sang it. So here here's the problem. Here's where the problem lies. Right. I'm in the, I'm in the audience and there is no way in hell I can go see Queen and not in my seat do Freddie Mercury moves. Yes. Because I grew up watching Queen. They're one of my favorite bands. And Freddie does all this shit with his arms. And right. he pushes this. And he's punching the air. And he's yeah. doing this jive. And he's right. back and forth. And I was sitting in my seat. And I was very drunk. Like, I drank a whole bunch in the car. And then I bought a whole bunch of huge beers. And I was singing with my wife. And she was like, Todd, you are drunk. And so I was sing- singing along, which... My voice is horrible. I have no business singing Queen songs, but I just was punching the air and I was doing these moves like Freddie has that half microphone and I was doing that bit with the half microphone twist in the face. Did Adam like, Lambert do the half microphone? Uh, Please tell me no. No, 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 he didn't. Okay. I, I, I don't recall him doing that. I would have remembered that. But, and then, then they got to the big, one of the big finales, which was Who Wants to Live Forever? Okay. Who wants to live? 
And no one is standing by us because we're in the cheap seats at the forum. And everyone's I, sitting. Everyone was sitting. Oh, what is the deal? Everybody sits these days. What the fuck? Everybody's trying happen? to have a fucking experience and not rock out. Dude, all right, go ahead. But so, but the audience was a weird audience. It was old burnouts and then like young girls that wanted to see Adam yeah, Lambert. Right. So, but I, I'm singing Who Wants to Live Forever off key very loud. And eventually my wife had to tell me, she's like, Todd, it's, it's becoming embarrassing. Let Adam Lambert sing the song. Right. And then I was like, maybe it's time to tell the... Uh, staunchy boring ass people at a rock concert don't go to a rock concert if is you don't this, want to stand is this a hipster thing you think no because none of these people involved in any of this bullshit was the hipster besides maybe the guy at the LA Philharmonic who's giving us shit but he had like a kid and shit so like he was yeah. an older guy he was just he wasn't even that he was like a little older he was probably 40 dude yeah and, that guy's... And, and him and his son had the same sweater same jacket really they had matching what, jackets what? Him and his son had yeah. matching jackets. Yeah, and his wife. How narcissistic. And his wife, his wife, every single time that we would speak, even when we were speaking quietly, she would look right at you. Yeah. She would turn around and look at you. And then now that he was sitting next to me, yeah. she would look at you and then turn her head all the way around and then look at her husband. Like, you have to do something about this. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, like let him. Let, let him do please, something about this. Please. Yes, please do. Yeah. It's like, how, uh, how precious are you? Dude. How, you know, oh, my artistic experience here at the, you know, Hollywood Bowl is so, ref- you know, the thing is, here's the problem with that guy. He's not from L.A. Mm-hmm. People who are, aren't from L.A. treat L.A. with a reverence that people born in L.A. don't have. Mm, like, people who aren't from L.A. are like, I'm going to go up to uh, the canyon over by, uh, you know, the Hollywood sign, and we're all going to run. People from L.A. don't do that shit. No. Yeah. People from L.A. don't do L.A. shit, and the people from L.A. don't go to the Hollywood Bowl and go, this is a revered place. No, it's just like, this is where you go to watch a show. That's an interesting topic, because I have a buddy who came here from Michigan. Yeah. And he came from, from Michigan maybe like six years ago, and everything that he does is like the typical person that does not live in L.A. thing to do. Right. Like, he has a friend in the Actors Guild. Right. That he happened to meet in somewhere somewhere near the El Rey, so he goes to actor guild events. Right, he's been to the Magic Castle. I've actually been to the Magic. All Castle. right, and how but many people do you know have been to the Magic Castle? Not that many, probably. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, the thing is, if you're not from LA and you come to LA, all the Hollywood shit is real cool and real exciting. But it's like, all right, yes, but he's Wait. decided to like embrace this lifestyle, which he's from fucking Kalamazoo, right. Right, like, eh, it's just kind of to like, him and his buddies back home. It's a huge deal. Oh, I'm sure he's a rock star when he goes home. But when you're from LA, these people are just obnoxious. Yeah, is what it comes down to. Like, I was I was over the LA thing when I was 22. Mm-hmm. You know, like right, when you're partying at the Roosevelt, like you know, when you're when you're when you're 22. Right. Yeah. 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 You, you you're over it by 24. Anything at LA, like, oh, they work in the industry. Like, yeah. it's a cool thing when you're, when you're from out of town and you're not around that. But, like, when you grow up with it, it's just like, oh, those are all obnoxious assholes who aren't from around here, who are stealing no. our natural resource of the entertainment industry. All right. Hey. S- but speaking of that. Yeah. But, oh, yeah. You want to get, uh, get in on the second half of the show? What, what are you doing? Sure. Of course. I'll get into that topic.
the big topic I want to do for this show? No. With what? Far Out is powered by the Museum of Intolerance in West Los Angeles. Get your tickets for this month's exhibition. Women, ugh. And as we were recording, the great Buck Perez showed up. Todd, how we doing? Yeah. Hey. Oscar, how we doing? Uh, I'm relieved. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's hard being second banana. Yeah. So uh, I was, we were, Oscar and I were talking about recent concert experiences. Buck just rolled in. Thank you, Buck, for showing up. Yo yo. And and Buck and I went to the Long Beach Funk Fest last weekend. Oh, yes. And we saw George Clinton and the and a Parliament Funkadelic. Right. And it was the shit. Yeah. It was pretty fucking dope. I like being at these events when I don't have to serve fucking grilled cheeses or lobster sandwiches because most of the time that's why I'm there. Yeah. You know. But this was just fucking social, man. And what a scene it was. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it was the weirdest scene because uh, my wife and I were there earlier, and then Buck showed up later. And then w- by the time my wife left, because it was like an all-day like funk festival. And so once my wife left, Buck showed up. And but, but when my wife and I first got there, we noticed something very interesting about the crowd. And it was a funk fest. It was all funk music. It was like a di- the lead singer, guitar player from The Meters, and George Clinton and Parliament Funkadelic, and some other bands that were really good. And I walk in, and it was just crunchy, groovy, hippie time. Oh, yeah. You could smell the patchouli from the parking lot. Nice. It's like, I have never been at a concert where I, sm- I smelt more weed. I've been like, one time I was at the Beastie Boys at the Forum. You've never seen the dead. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure it was like yeah. that. Or been to a reggae fest. Or fish. Yeah. Fish. Yeah. But I people... Hate, I hate fish. <laughs> but people were getting that, that crunchy groove dance on where they do that kind of... I don't know. It's like a, it's like they're churning butter. It's like kind of a you know? jig, but not. Yeah, it's like a uh, slow jig. jig yeah. It's like a slow, dumb jig. And then it was the funny. It was crunchy, groovy hippies, and then old school black guys from Long Beach. Right. So it was like I thought. I thought Warren G was standing next to us. You are entirely racist, my friend. That guy was not Warren G. It's <laughs> not just, racist. Like two, I look like Warren two G. or three times. I think that is Warren G. I'm like, <laughs> Chances uh, are Warren like, G would be in the back. Yeah, he'd be backstage. Yeah. yeah. With Craig Robinson. But the the, the weird, oh, hold on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, the, but the, the the funny moment of the night was so George Clinton and Parliament Funkadelic are bringing it right, and every song is is about, about twelve minutes, because it's like yeah I'm gonna play Turn This Mother Out, I'm gonna play Give Up the Funk, I'm gonna play Atomic Dog, but there's gonna be a long ass horn solo. There's gonna be a solo for everyone in this. Come on, everybody in the band gets a solo, yeah. and then a breakdown, and then the drummer gets some, and then they bring it back, and then you and know, then the guy with the big hat will come out. And just freak some chicks on stage. Right. That's his solo. Right. I don't think he played anything. No, a guy just comes out and like freaks chick chicks on stage. And the guy... That's the shit. He did look good with those abs. Oh, man. Yeah. And then he had like that fur coat. He had to, he had to be rocking male Spanx. Oh, yeah. Because he, he, he did look good. He did look good. And <laughs> the, the guy... I'll try. They're, they're doing that. And then the funny part is George Clinton is like, now I want to introduce... My granddaughter. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then during one of the songs, she comes out and starts singing some funky shit about how she wants a man with a huge dick. Yeah, like, don't bring a small dick, motherfucker, was the basic premise of that song. Nice. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it's like George Clinton had to be the happiest, proudest, grandpappy of them all, right? <laughs> <laughs> this is my granddaughter, because I know, you know, my little niece, Juju, I, I, I would hopefully there'd be some time when I'm on stage <laughs> and I say, well, here's my little niece. And then she starts going off about how a man's dick size is all she wants. Right. You know, cause that's basically what the song was. Yeah. It was just, it was just that. And then it's like, now we're going to go into let me ride. <laughs> yeah. you know? She but, was making me like, check myself. Like, man, am I bringing it? No, no. I'm really. sure she dissed all the guys in the audience. Basically. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. I was like, wow, man. Could I, I, could I fuck with her? I don't know. I don't think so. I'd like yeah. to think I'd, I'd have an opportunity with George Clinton's granddaughter, but evidently not. No, she's hardcore. So, uh, you know, concert talk has happened. Yeah. Oscar and I, uh, right before Buck got in, we were, we were talking about how people, you know, people who are from L.A. versus people who moved to L.A. to do the L.A. thing and, like, the differences and how, like, they are into doing all this part of L.A. shit that we just find annoying. Right. Like, I was watching some... Jed Apatow movie and they all like go up to the Hollywood sign like you said and go for a hike and shit like that yeah. and I'm like yeah I've never fucking done that I never even ever. thought about doing right. that ever yeah it's very like, that's never been a good idea it's very touristy you know but every but everybody that like at my work like I've never I, I most of the jobs I've had like like kind of white collar professional jobs or whatever in advertising or whatever right. it's all people from other parts of the country that came here and got an education <laughs> and then got gigs you know and so they're all like Oh yeah, we're gonna go up to Runyon Canyon and go take a walk. I'm like, I'm from LA. We don't do that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I was born here. I ain't got no business up there. But so I was thinking the other day about what it takes to actually do something big in life. So like, if, if you listen to this podcast, you'll go, okay, you know, they're doing something. Like. I am never going to be a massive success at this. I've, and maybe I'm uh, shutting myself short or cutting myself short. Right. Hmm. But I've had a few opportunities in life to hit some doubles. I almost got the night show at, in uh, San Diego doing radio. I almost got a morning show in San Diego like a year and a half ago. That was close. It's very close. San Diego has been very, very good to you. San, San Diego wants me on it. No, it's a... From my vantage point of his experience, it's it's a line whore. Well, yeah, yeah San Diego is always tempting him. Like, come on, you could do your dream over here. San no, Diego, it's a whore of Babylon. Yeah, and and I'm She's the, a whore, I'm the whore of Lakewood. <laughs> but I I found that like one thing is true for all people that are uh, big time <laughs> successful. What's that? You got a lap dance by San Diego, basically. I've yeah I've yeah I, I'm like. I'm, you know, like as Mark Davis like goes to San Antonio, it's like, yeah, we're gonna bring the Raiders here. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm those guys, and so like my, you know, I've only had so much success in the the, the field of podcasting and everything, but I, I love doing the show and it's been great. We have a great audience, but I've found that everybody that is really successful, whether it's in uh, you know radio or. You know, if you look at the stories of people who have bands that get big, everything. Because as somebody who's failed as a musician, right? who's failed as a radio guy. Strike two. Uh, and that is, you know, currently working on doing some writing stuff. Oh, I feel, I feel, I feel a strikeout coming on. <laughs> Had mild success as a hip-hop artist. Right. But Did, didn't you attempt acting once? Yes, I did attempt acting, and I, I mean, I almost don't, I don't want to talk about that. And that oh, really? just embarrasses really? me. Really, <laughs> I yes. took some acting classes in you know. junior college. 
So, you know, I'm right he decided, there with you. He decided to go for it. I went like, on auditions. Wow, really? He took us to the next level. Have we told you about this? No, when was this? Never brought this up? No. We never talked about your acting skills on oh, the show. Okay, I'll bring it. I'll briefly talk about anything my... on tape. And, and wait, and even prior to that, you, you you ventured into directing. Well, that's a whole different thing. But yeah, the, okay. So here's my acting career went. Wow. I um, I, I was I had a uh, casting agent <laughs> back when I was 19. Wow, really? And they called me for an audition to be on the TV show The Big Bad Beetleborgs. I remember that show. Yeah, yeah. And they, they, uh, I got the call out because I was the right like height and thinness to be the mummy on the show because it was like the show. It was like a Power Rangers ripoff. You could have been the mummy. So the and it was like the, like these Power Ranger kind of characters. Yeah, and, yeah. And the mummy was one of a huge character in there. And they had these like yeah. universal monsters that were there. So they, uh, the guy says, "Hey, I've got an interview for you out at Saban Studios in Valencia." You go down there tomorrow, like nine in the morning or something, and then show up, and then you know, uh, try out to be the mummy on the show, and it's you know, fame and fortune after that. And I thought, I I got this on lock, <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> you fit the bill perfectly. I fit the bill. So, but here here's what the problem was that uh, the night before the audition, I was partying with some friends and just happened to ingest and. I don't much like Wes Welker recently doesn't know how someone gave him Molly and amphetamines. Mm. Somebody must have given me some crystal methamphetamine somehow right. the night before. Somehow. 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 It was slipped to you like a Mickey. I was drugged. Right. Oh, with I meth. was drugged. So I stayed up the entire night and I uh, was um, tweaking. And then the, in the morning, I drove out to Valencia, which is about about an hour outside of uh, where we live. Yeah. And I, I drove out to Valencia, and then I walked into this casting office, and I was like, I was I was kind of I was, I was still kind of messed up. Is with this it. where the character Sonny the Tweaker was born? Yes. Like, is this the interview where you're just like, I I do have a problem? And I was like, oh yes, come in here. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely do that. I can I can definitely play him on me, you know. Yeah. And so they brought me in there, and they said, and so they put me in there, and there's like the director, and like the producer and everything, and I walked in, and they said, okay, walk like a mummy. And so then I thought to myself, I said, you know, I don't want to just do like a fucking universal monster mummy where like you just stick the arms out and you go, uh, right. I'm not going to be like the mummy on the cereal box. I'm not that kind of mummy. Hmm. I'm, an, I'm an artist. Are you like the thriller? Like just do the thriller dance or something like that? No, that'd I be, didn't do that'd that. That'd be dope. No, no yeah. that would be dope, but I did not do that because that's not me. I'm an artist, Buck, oh, in, in terms of my acting. Yeah. Right. So they asked me to do it. So what I did was... I, 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 I'd been a big fan of David Lynch's The Elephant Man. Oh, jeez. Right. Okay. So this, this helped you in your preparation for The Mummy. And this is, what, what, what year mask. was this? This is 1996. Wow. So, yeah. so yeah. you really felt that it was like, you know, you know how like in the 90s, the 70s was in. It was all yes. about like, you know, right. the whole, you know, that whole groove is in the heart. That whole thing? Yeah. It was a 90s thing, but it was really yeah. a 70s thing. Right, right yeah. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. So you felt that you could bring back 1980. Well, what I wanted to do was I felt like the mummy as a character, A, he was dead. Yeah. Mm. B, he was Egyptian. Right? Like, he was a, a, 
he was somebody that dealt with a lot of shit in his everyday life, you know? And probably, I'm sorry, if you're stuck in a sarcophagus for a long period of time, you're not just going to come up with your arms even. You're going to have a different kind of walk. You're going to have a weird kind of shuffle. Wow. So what I did was I walked like the elephant man, and I stuck one arm out, and I was like... You basically played the elephant man. Yeah, I basically tried to walk like John Hurt and the elephant man. And they're like, okay, thank you very much. Uh, you know, sign some paperwork at the door, and we'll call you. Right. Man. And uh, that, that was it. That was that's it. all it took. Like, your acting career, done? No, there was one other thing where the casting agent called me to be a punk rocker on The Tonight Show for some bit with Jay Leno. Nice. And then I couldn't get off my job at the Y, so I didn't go. What? That's pretty punk I rock. Asked, I asked my, my boss, I was like, can I get off work? I'm going to be on The Tonight Show tonight. And then she, she no, we, we need you at the Y. So that, that was the end of my acting Are you career. kidding, Todd? If you leave, this place blows up. You know, mm-hmm. she, like that's that seri- that's serious about it, right? That was yeah. very important. So that th- then went my acting career. You know, wow. Man. So you should have tried out for the Mummy in the movie The Mummy. Oh, that would have been better. There's that big CGI mum- Mummy that it's just overtaking. Yeah. I don't know. I still I, I still might have it in me, but I don't have the the Mummy body in me. <laughs> but my thought was that for. Like, if you want to have, like, my, my thought was what I've realized, and it sucks I've realized that this at the age of 37. If I knew this at 20, I think my life would be a little bit different. And I'm not crying there. I'm Yeah, it sounded. I'm burping. Yeah, are you okay? So the thing is, everybody I've known or seen or I've heard the story of that ends up becoming really huge at what they do, it's because they're a fucking sociopath. Well, right. Yeah, they, like, they're crazy. Yeah, they, they're crazy, and they work so hard at what they do, they burn all the bridges in life, and they're just so dedicated that they are 24-9, wake up, go to bed, think about this stuff. Like, this podcast right here is about 20 hours a month of work to me, which is a lot of work, right? Right. But if you're going to be the fucking best at what you do, if you're going to be in a band or whatever and have that band be awesome... That's fucking 40 hours a day or every hour you're not, you know, working at Starbucks. Like, that's the thing. Every Everybody is completely insane. It's like the Beatles. Why were the Beatles good? They played in Hamburg nine hours a day for years right. before anybody even heard of them. Right. You know, anybody who's a big comedian, like I learned in my stand-up comedy classes, that in order to be good, you have to be on stage every night for seven years. Unless you're and, Bobby Lee. Ah, oh, oh, Bobby Lee. Yeah. Oh, we saw Bobby Lee the night I did stand-up, right? Oh, yeah, we did. Oh, Buddy Lee. <laughs> but Bobby Lee didn't have to... Uh, he, he got a... Yeah. But I'm sure... There are naturals. There are LeBron yeah. Jameses. No, no the, 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 the lie is that there's naturals and born geniuses. Mm. But anybody, when you really see it, that's a, a quote-unquote natural or born ge- genius, there's somebody who worked their butt off for the Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours before they actually made it. Hmm. Right. I don't know. I think it's something that that teacher's selling you. You know, you've got to go to these classes, baby. No, you know? no. I think, but it's true. It's anybody you see that's really famous and great. It was like Joan Rivers didn't hit it big till she was like sixty, right? Right, and she worked her ass off till that point. It's like Rodney Dangerfield wasn't known till he was like in his fifties and worked his butt off in the clubs. Like Richard Pryor 
who's the, the greatest stand-up ever, he sat and worked in the clubs and in strip clubs and everything for 15 years before anybody knew who the hell he was. But see, that's a different era, and it's a different time now. I mean, people get famous for fucking, you know, splashing ice on their fucking head nowadays, you know? Well, I mean, it's that's like, a little... Like, but it's not a lasting fame. It's not a lasting master of craft. Yeah. Yeah. I did do the ice bucket challenge the other day. I know, I saw it. It was ridiculous. Have you gotten challenged, Oscar? I did get challenged. I, I have. I, I've ignored it. I got challenged. I'm right, I'm right there with you. I got challenged by my brother-in-law. Really? And I'm just like, yeah, I'm not doing this shit. See, I got challenged, and I was like, I was just sitting, hoping every day no one would challenge. It was like, I'm, I'm down with helping ALS. I'm down with cutting a check to ALS. That's not a problem. And you did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. But, but well, I was like, if someone challenges me, I, I got to do it. Like, I can't be a bitch and not do it. And so my buddy Alvin Perez... Susan's uh, boyfriend uh, was like, Todd, I challenge you to do it. So I was like, oh, God damn it. I was like, I would just wait. I was like, somebody's going to fucking do it. Someone's going to challenge me. And eventually... What's odd is that you didn't challenge anybody. No, because I because I, I thought that if anybody wants to do something charitable, they should do it without being asked. That's the notion Ooh. of charity. Right. Right? Right. But like, this is the ice bucket challenge. Yeah, any any charity, but in the end, it's for it's for charity. So I thought that like I never want, I didn't want to challenge anybody because I thought if anybody wants to do it, they'll do it. You know what I'm saying? Oh. So like I but thought I thought been, about challenging, but my you friends. weren't gonna do it unless you were obviously asked to do it. Yes, which mm-hmm. means you probably weren't gonna uh, give any money to ALS unless you were gonna pour the bucket on your head. All right, okay, don't make me feel like an asshole. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just saying, right? It's kind of an asshole move. I, I did yeah. it. Well, that's really bad. That's yeah. three other people that could have given 100 bucks. Yeah. So you like ALS. <laughs> you like Lou Gehrig's disease. I'm all about it. <laughs> I'd like to know at least one person that has it, and if any of our listeners knows one person that has it, I will donate directly to that person. To that? To just the individual? Yes. That's how I feel comfortable giving my you, money. You will PayPal. I'll write him a fucking check. But I'd just rather give it to them than through a third party, which is ALS. Right. You know? I just... Uh, I, I thought that it'd be nice for diabetes to pour some sugar on yourself. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because well, Oscar, as someone go, with diabetes... Yeah. Now, and, if someone gave you like an ALS-style diabetes challenge where you poured sugar on yourself, you'd I would have to do, do, do that. For and I would people. nominate other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to pour some sugar on themselves. Yeah. Would you play Def Leppard, pour some uh, yeah. sugar on and me would, in the yeah. background while you're yes. doing it? You have to pour the sugar on yourself while, while, while the course is good. Now, I'm I, hot, I, sticky, sweet. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. From my head to, to my, my feet, feet, yeah. yeah. And you got to wait through a whole solo. Pour some on the name of love. Yeah. That would be dope, dude. That would be a lot more fun than just pouring. I think so. Let's start this. Can we do it? Yeah. Let's the start. Diabetes. The diabetic pour some sugar on me. So yeah. People, what, would people just buy like packets of sugar and fill up a bucket with it? Like, You can get the gallon. You, the, you know, the, the big... Uh, Industrial bottle of high fructose corn syrup. <laughs> like, you, you know, and then the, there's going to be different kinds of... <laughs> Maybe, one, maybe one, shove one, a Snickers bar up your ass. One, maybe. <laughs> With or without the wrapper. That's a, there you go. It's a big without difference. Without. Okay. Raw dog. <laughs> Raw dog. That's good. But I, when, I, when I did the uh, ice bucket challenge, it was like, I got challenged by my buddy Alvin. So I was like, all right, challenge accepted. And then I, and then I, I told my wife, I had this elaborate thing where I was going to do ice bucket. I was going to pull out the ice bucket and it was going to be full of beer. 
and I was going to drink all the beer in the ice bucket. Nice. And then my wife goes, that's a real asshole move because you know why people do that. It's because people with ALS have to like endure certain things dealing with buckets of ice in order to ease their symptoms of the problem. And by just drinking beer, you'd be a total asshole. So I was like, okay, then I'll just no, do... You'd be like Patrick Stewart. Have you seen his? Mm. But he's Patrick Stewart. You can do it, well, Todd I mean, Perry. Well, a friend of mine that's been on the show. Exactly. But, but uh, I, didn't, I had no idea that's what it was from. Yeah, it all stems back to that because if you have that, it eases the, the joints and everything. So it, it helps you move by jumping in a big vat of ice. Uh, hence the ice bucket challenge. But when I did it myself... I fucked up because if you look out here, I did it in my backyard right. where we I have like this awning and I, I took, there used to be a cover on the awning like a patio. So it's just this framework of the awning and I, when I lifted up the bucket, I hit the top of the awning and then I nailed myself in the back of the head with the bucket. Oh. And it doesn't look that bad when I did it, but later I was like, I just fucking <laughs> hit myself in the head. And the ice thing, that that's your ass when it hits you. Yeah. That is a cold... That is a real cold, my man. <laughs> that was <laughs> real ice stone cold, my man. Ice cold is what it was. Right. So, but yeah, but, and then people commented, why didn't you challenge anybody? I was like, oh, I don't know. Well, wow. it was kind of, I was like actually the last person to do the ice bucket challenge. That, I'm, I feel I'm like glad it, it's it didn't happen after that. No. But it was good. W- in the once end. people stop asking other people to do it, it just ends. Right. Let's all hope. So maybe I'm the problem. <laughs> right. I'd like to thank everybody for listening to the Faro Podcast. I'd like to thank Buck Perez. Oh, thank you. I'd like to thank Oscar Tayeda. Thank you, sir. i